0: Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea time Reports. I'm joined here by Kaden. Thank you everyone for tuning into this episode of our USFL offseason coverage. We have a lot to discuss in this episode. Um, not as far as player signings, but you know, as far as league news in general is probably going to be what takes up most of this episode. If you are a USFL fan or a, a fan of springtime football, uh, this should interest you and hopefully you'll enjoy this episode. And if you haven't checked out these episodes before, make sure you do so. We have tons of them on the podcast and We're very prevalent on uh, covering the USFL on our uh, Twitter slash X account at T-Time Reports. Make sure you're also following us on every social media platform at T-Time Reports on IG, TikTok, threads, all the good stuff. You know what I'm saying? But moving forward here, I guess we can cover some interesting stuff uh, that we, you know, I've been a little lazy uh, on getting an episode out. I'm not going to lie to you, but since I have posted the new stuff that has come out, I will... uh, Kind of just briefly go over, and it kind of dates back to October 16th um, with some uh, initial signings that came out kind of right after my last uh, USFL cover- coverage episode. But Caden, I know you know Nemaya Shelton, cornerback for the Showboats. He played relatively well in his first season in 2023. Mm. He was on the practice squad for the Jets, and to get a call-up and even recognition from Salah and that defense, yeah. it's kind of good recognition. He didn't mm-hmm. obviously make the roster or yeah. practice squad, but... Do you think that that's a good signing or a re-signing oh, yeah.
1: for the Memphis Showboats? It's it's definitely not a bad one. You know, they could have made a bunch of different choices. Could have chosen not to sign him, go with a different guy, and they chose. You know, that's my guy. He played well for us last season. He did well in the offseason. and uh, we're yeah. going to keep with him. We're going to yeah. with him. And you got to like that mentality, especially if he's a baller for the team. Uh, no, I can really say bad about that.
0: He's a lengthy corner. Has good speed. I'm excited to see him back on this team. It was a decent defense down the stretch, uh, a a team to watch and actually enjoy. Um, And I'm glad that they brought back uh, Namiah Shelton just for continuity purposes. um, It's really good to see, in general, all these teams bringing back players that really produced for them. And then we also see a bunch of different movements after two seasons coming up here. The New Orleans Breakers have a couple signings here. Um, A new addition, wide receiver Jimmy Robinson Jr., um, out of Bethune Cookman, excuse me if I got that wrong, um, but as well as tight end Marcus Ball from Ohio okay. State, who played okay. for the Panthers for two seasons. Yeah. So combining Marcus Ball with Sage Surratt, what are they doing there? That could be dangerous. Oh yeah,
1: I want to see. Uh, I want to see what he's got. I right,
0: Marcus Ball's oh, nasty. Ohio State,
1: like that's. Yeah.
0: There we go. Dude, you remember you know Marcus I mean? Ball? He was he was balling out for the Panthers, even with Josh Love in there. Um, but he, he was always a bright spot for the Panthers and the New Orleans Breakers. Honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. They seem to be the team that has gotten, you know, besides the Stallions being the clear-cut number one, the Breakers seem to genuinely have gotten the best acquisitions from free agency. They have pillaged teams in the Northern Division, as well as their own, and gotten some really good talent. I mean, Echo's Looper, who we talked about, who I talked about in an episode prior, they stole him from the Generals. That's a good addition for the wideout position. I think that their offense is genuinely, like, kind of trending upwards and I don't know who's going to be their quarterback I don't think anyone does at this current point but um, I think that's a good addition for them
1: who signed Barriere?
0: Uh, Barriere is on the generals he got the re-signed oh, yeah, the so yeah. him and DeAndre Johnson are probably going to be dual heading that, that yeah. offense uh, attack yeah. there but um, as far as in my opinion the fact that you know we can kind of cover retract our statements here not retract but go back and backtrack on the Memphis showboats some big news as of late. Todd Haley was let go, uh, the head coach of the Memphis Showboats. And honestly, I think it's for the best. Yeah. Um, he really didn't do this team any justice, um, especially starting out the way they did this this past season, and coming off of a four and six season with the Tampa Bay Bandits, rebranding the team. You look at the difference the Maulers had in their rebrand season. They didn't rebrand and relocate that way, but they rebranded the team in terms of cosmetics and. Coaching, they have a whole. They had a whole new staff in there besides Jaron Horton, who got you, his dad hired as the head coach. I don't
1: think they would have. They would have fired that one guy uh, before. What's it? Well, Kirby.
0: Yeah, Kirby. Uh, gosh, Craig Kirby Wilson fucking
1: sucked. <laughs> oh, oh my god. Yeah,
0: now the one and nine to a championship appearance. Yeah. Jaron Horton is the reason, in my opinion, that team is where it oh, is yeah. the reason. Oh yeah, that team had success. The you defense the, is the best you, part. it. You about can
1: see it. the players respect him, and uh, especially on the showboats. like, he's not getting hype with the players. Tom Haley wasn't getting hype with the players. I mean,
0: when they did go on that five-game win streak, Mm. shout-out to Vinny Papali, um, was able to talk to him and, you know, get some questions asked. Not too much based on, you know, it was kind of a crowded radio show that night. But Mm. either way, I think that the team has a lot of talent. Derek Dillon, I mean, Cole Kelly, those guys are... Mm. Those guys have promise in this league. Derek Dillon should be on an NFL roster. But I think in general, as you stated, that... Like, they respect Jaron Horton. He got his dad the job. Those guys have passion. They fought till the very end. Um, really excited to see what the Maulers can do. But overall, what would you rate that signing from the the signings from the New Orleans Breakers right there? Going for the, that offensive side of the ball, as you can see, tight end and a wide receiver.
1: Low-key, I think it, it would have been better if they, they might have put their money into the defensive side of the ball. Mm. I know they have to even it out, and they probably will later on. You know, it's, it's a long of offseason. Still got time to go, but uh, for what it was, I think it's a good good pickups.
0: Speaking of the defensive side of the ball for the New Orleans Breakers, they did part ways with their DC and linebackers coach Ooh. as well. So they're really trying to upgrade their coaching Ooh. quality and talent in this league, especially with the merger, which we'll, we're going to get into for sure. But, you know, as you pointed out, they really do need to probably get some quality players, especially with the looks like a new defensive system coming they, in Season they 3. They need some D-line. They need some D-line. Well, they, they got a lot of their guys back. Saino Moore, he's back. I mean, they have good guys on the D-line. They just really needed help in that safety position. I know Larry Elder's a good player. He's back. But you know, there's some backup for him, in, in my opinion. But they, they were never bad. It's just they can't beat the fucking Stallions. Yeah. They're 1-3 against still... them. They are mid in this we're league. Mid. And I, it sucks to say, shout out to Rush, I know he's a breakers guy, um, but let's just hope they can get that quarterback that can take them over the hump. Yeah. Um, moving forward into some, some more news that, uh, you know, kind of is important, in my opinion. Um, the Atlanta Falcons are signing safety Arnold Tarpley III. Uh, he was a baller for two seasons for the Maulers, kind of a very good, bright spot. Um, he was an All-USFL safety in 2023, which is the highest honor you can get as a player, uh, like an individual award type thing. Um, Besides, obviously, MVP and, you know, those big awards, but the All-USFL team, it's crucial because you outperformed a lot of those guys in a very, you know, kind of condensed league, you Mm -hmm. know, so the best of the best are in the All-USFL team, and he had 42 tackles, three picks. Um, He had a workout with Buffalo, Green Bay, and Atlanta this offseason, and it looks like the Falcons... Are deciding to pull the trigger on him, and this was on October 18th, and that's that's good for him. He's probably going to be a practice squad guy, but yeah. you know it's good for his depth, and he's getting mm-hmm. good money too. Why yeah. not? And I know you were appreciative of uh, Tarpley in a lot of the games we were watching mm-hmm. live. What were your thoughts on him as a player, and overall, what do you think he's going to be able to, you mm-hmm. know, kind of acquire
1: on the Falcons' defense? He he's an explosive playmaker, and uh, he knows what he wants to do in that uh, that zone position. And he's just he's a smart uh, run deep run defender. He knows when to approach the r- receiver in a route. He just his IQ is there. The one um, thing
0: that you always said about him, and I remember because like I would make you watch the Maulers games with me. He is a fucking hard hitter. Yeah, he is. He he's, yeah, yeah, he he yeah. is a smash mouth yeah, hitter. He, bro.
1: he senses the run. That is true. He does not create yeah, those. I, I remember a lot of those a lot of those hits were like either you know a guy's coming off the off the side. Say it's like. Um, Fucking Matt Colburn, throw out a, a random name. Fucking smashes him. You know what I mean? So it's, it's a little check down. You know what I mean? He, he knows when to approach. You know? He has that that, uh, that field awareness.
0: And, and you can appreciate that, especially out of a player trying to grind mm. his way into the NFL, the untraditional style, but a style that is proving to work year in and year out. Yeah. Over 200 USFL players were signed in two seasons mm. to the NFL. Even if they're a practice squad, even if they're a scout team, mm. that shows that there is growth and development here. And
1: shout-out to, to
0: Tarpley, the third. I think
1: uh, that might be the Atlanta Falcons' second USFL player.
0: I think it might be as well. They may have signed another guy here and there. But, again, you guys need to go listen to all of our USFL coverage episodes. We we you know can't do a justice with naming all the names and all the players that have done great. But we do have this podcast as, in a sense, a time capsule. So check our receipts. Mm. Um, but another developing... Um, Kind of headline, if you will, for the Pittsburgh Maulers. They parted ways with their offensive lineman coach Emerson Martin. Thank fucking god, like thank god. I mean, their O line is was their weakness this year. It was terrible. Madre London. I know he's not the best, but now with the addition of Trey Williams in that backfield, because they did pick him up from the Generals, who's a running back one on any other team other than the Generals because of Victor, and you know probably obviously the Gamblers because of Mark Thompson, but. He's still not been signed yet, so I'm excited to see where he goes.
1: Yeah,
0: just interesting to see. I'm excited to see what they're going to be able to do if they're going to bring in a new guy. If you know, maybe head coach Ray Horton's going to take over some responsibilities. Um, but they're actually seeing some personnel ton- uh, turnover as offensive coordinator John Tomlinson took a role with the um, the Washington Commanders. Mm-hmm. So they are also going to have to fill that offensive coordinator spot as well as that offensive line coach spot. It's going to be interesting to see because that's a whole new offensive scheme. I mean, I can I can valiantly say I trust Ray Horton and his son, Jaron Horton, with that defense. Obviously, the defense is never going to be the problem with the Maulers. The offense has been the problem for two seasons now. And the fact that they got to the championship was just purely off of grit. It really was. I mean, when you go back and watch that playoff game against Michigan, it could have went either way that game. E.J. Perry was balling the fuck out, as he was two weeks prior. I mean, you can just point out so many inconsistencies with the Mauler's offense, but uh, I really think the fact that they made it there was, was a miracle, to tell you it the was. truth. Um, but they
1: definitely have to fill. No, that defense is why they made it there. It far. was.
0: Defense wins championships, and Ruben Foster was a big part of that. He balled out in the postseason, mm-hmm. and a guy I firmly love as a player. Oh, yeah.
1: You're just talking about Tarpley. He balled out.
0: Tarpley, Keaba Tizino, so many, you know, just shout outs on that defense, but um, more developing news regarding alternative football. Um, the vice president of broadcast operations is no longer under contract with the XFL per sources. I'm also hearing that Mandy Cohen broadcast operations um, executive is out a couple of moves that make sense considering Fox has already has similar assets already for the USFL. So it's just looking as if not only the USFL is absorbing the XFL's logistic uh, kind of business assets in a sense like their teams some of their you know franchise names and stuff like that but they are taking over the marketing everything in all that regard but what are your thoughts on just hearing more and more about the fact that the usfl is going to be running the show and it looks like they're going to even keep the name
1: mm-hmm. this even when we were talking when we first found the uh just like the uh, the rumors basically that it could happen it was we knew who was who was going to buy who basically you know what i mean it was usfl is probably going to take over But after that, what happens? And then it seems like USFL got the sweetest end of the deal. You know what I mean? They have to possibly keep all their teams um, and just shave away probably half of the XFL. I don't know if they're gonna have to do uh, if if they if they include all eight teams from both. That I don't think that's a scenario anybody's thought about because everybody's talking about half. They They can't. I don't don't think they could because. we're talking about logistics, especially the uh, the XFL. Even Daryl Johnston,
0: yeah. I mean, you, geographically, it does not make sense for this smaller league. Um, but it's one of those things where it's going to come down to the USFL's business model is far superior. Daryl Johnston, the the president of the XF uh, the USFL, excuse me, and now the XFL. He's going to be the head of both entities and now one. Um, he even said we do not want to adopt the XFL's business model. It was failed from the beginning. Um, Redbird Capital, like I said previously on other episodes, the backing for ESPN and Disney, it's a massive financial firm. They approached Fox with this deal. They folded. Um, We're hearing a lot of speculation uh, that all eight USFL teams are going to be surviving the merger, and four teams from the XFL will be brought in and most likely either kept to the same or rebranded into other teams from the USFL's past. We're hearing that St. Louis, D.C., San Antonio, and Arlington are going to stay, and the rest are gone. Um, so it just shows what, you know, what really, all the people hating on the USFL and shitting on it, like they won, in my personal opinion. I mean, and, and it's showing that, you know, with all these developments coming out, we're just, it just makes sense. And, and everything that has been acted on and done so far has been already like you know shout out to Luke Miller PFN on Twitter and shout out to James Larson on Twitter those guys have been 100% accurate on genuinely every aspect of these these headlines and stories regarding the merger and the USFL they have some kind of in somewhere um, but I'm looking at the league you know if it is standing out like this two teams in Texas I like it a DC team you know, Michigan is also staying in Michigan. They're staying in Ford Field for 2024. Memphis is staying in uh, Memphis for 2024. They're staying in their respective stadiums. Mm-hmm. DC has a good home crowd. Arlington had a decent home crowd. Birmingham Stallions have a have a great fan base. Yeah. The Houston Gamblers are now going to be playing in Houston because they acquired the venue and those assets. It's really good. Mm-hmm. It's overall, it's really good. The one team. Honestly, two teams I could see getting rebranded are honestly the San Antonio Brahmas, because they just need to rebrand that team and get rid of that uniform. It's fucking terrible. Arlington Renegades, it's mid, but I could see them getting kind of changed as well, maybe mm-hmm. even moved. Um, but St. Louis Battlehawks, is they're, they're okay. The USFL never had a team in St. Louis, so the, I could see that team staying the way it is. They have a great fan base as well. I could see D.C. being turned into the Washington Federals. I could see maybe Arlington moving to Canton because they do have that that contract with Hall of Fame Stadium. Mm. So maybe they get moved and turned into the Canton uh, Blitz or Canton Gold. Uh, Maybe San Antonio stays in San Antonio, but they just change the name to the San Antonio Gunslingers, what they used to be in the USFL. Really cool name in my opinion. Mm. And they would have to change the logo and everything like that. But um, just some cool thoughts to kind of
1: have. I think it would be cool just for the first season if they kept all the names, how they were.
0: Just to see how they pull. Yeah. You know? and also,
1: it would, it would just be cool to see XFL versus USFL. You
0: know what I mean? I, I agree. But the teams will not be the same. The, no, they won't. The, but the, the rosters are not going to look the same yeah. either. Because there's going to be a lot of guys in the USFL that don't get signed. They're going to have to reallocate that talent mm. and make it fair. Because those San Antonio Brahmas with you know Jake Cohn taking helm, mm. he was fucking terrible, bro. <laughs> you know, there's some of the some of the teams that are coming into the USFL like the Brahmas and the Renegades. Even though the Renegades won it all mm-hmm. on a miracle season, um, the Brahmas were terrible. The right. BattleHawks were seven and three and missed the playoffs. Mm. I, I just, you know, they they have a lot to work out. AJ McCarron is not coming back. He got yeah. signed to the Bengals practice mm. squad. So it's just one of those things where a Unless lot of dropped. there's going to be a lot of potentially shit teams. You know, and this is what the problem with aggressive expansion is, and I'm glad that, you know, I hope that they only take in four teams. I would prefer only two. I would prefer if they just kept St. Louis and D.C., because those are the two best fan bases. They have great venues, great stadiums. You can make a decent amount of money on on merchandise and stuff. And as well as both those teams were pretty fucking good last year. They have good talent.
1: I wonder if there's going to be like a... A large influx of cash into the things it's, it's not like the USFL bought them, I don't think, unless that is true. Um, but I wonder if there's going to be some sort of influx of, of cash or influx of debt onto the league from the XFL. you know what I mean? I, and it could be does that merger come with that debt? Well it does. It does, but the fact
0: that the USFL has probably made almost a hundred million dollars in two seasons, mm-hmm. I'm I'm expecting well, it to offset the yeah. debt. But I'm expecting them to have to be even as conservative was, as they were in season 100, one.
1: Was that hundred million profit? or Hundred million
0: revenue? Well, they made over forty million dollars just in ad revenue last season mm. so I don't know what the combined total of their first two years but I know they made almost over 20 million dollars total in season one which isn't bad for you know one hub but they made good money but Not then going that, into season okay. two besides I don't know what the other profits were besides the ad revenue I think the ad revenue total was like 43 point something million well, they got
1: their cost of, of the whole the whole league you know what I mean? so what's the, the, but they're also
0: acquiring the assets of the XFL so exactly. they're the investments of those things and mm-hmm. the value of those things they're gonna be selling off they, mm-hmm. they got rid of teams equipment yeah. they got rid of a lot of the deductions regarding staff yeah. members for those other teams when they decide to pull the trigger on what teams are staying in or not so they still have a lot of money questions ahead and I see what you're saying yeah but none of that is actually being like discussed right now That's, because the acquisition yeah, just, is not
1: I just thought about it. The so. acquisition
0: is not finalized just mm. yet. They're expecting it to be done by the end of this month, but it's one of those things where when that does get finalized, we'll see how the money situation gets done. I'm expecting only two teams from the XFL surviving if any. I I would be I would not be surprised if they just take the venues, like Houston will take mm-hmm. the Houston venue. But I'll take the stadiums. Uh, you know? I'm
1: still thinking about what was it, like sixty million dollars in debt, something like that. And they lost
0: sixty million dollars in the first season, the XFL did, yes.
1: And they're also, you know, probably losing a little bit of money now. You never know. if if you're taking over that entity that has all that debt they're going to have to, like, how does that...
0: But there's something that's going to be a part of the business deal mm-hmm. that yeah, maybe, yeah. you know, maybe Redbird Capital will pay off some of the debt or right. something, but it's going to be one of those things where maybe during the transaction of this merger, mm. they don't actually have to pay off the debt. You know, it's some loophole, who knows? You know, the capitalist, the capitalist system might has many. A,
1: or it might be a horrible business deal.
0: It might be, but it... Trending-wise, it's not trending in a bad direction.
1: Yeah, It really isn't. Um, I think a lot of people are excited for this.
0: But an unrelated uh, USFL news headline is cornerback Amani Dennis of the Philadelphia Stars signs with the Toronto Argonauts. Um, Dennis was the top USFL free agent that was available, having played for the USFL Stars for the last two seasons, 72 tackles and 5 interceptions over that span. Interestingly, Interestingly enough, former Stars defensive tackle Ralph Hawley also signed to Toronto two bigger names in free agency now off the board and heading up north so the CFL is also getting some money and some traction in that regard um, but you know that's a that's a big loss for, for the Stars they really could have used yeah. that solid cornerback one or cornerback two mm-hmm. but Stribling's just going to have to step up Yeah. Um, we talked about it a little I think,
1: bit yeah, I think we were talking about that how, how Stribling was mid last year
0: he he struggled last year, but it was because he did battle with injury a little bit. But, um, but getting yeah.
1: w- but when with his loss, Amani Dennis showed up. You know yeah, what I mean he did he came up big. Was he, was, a last year. he
0: was probably one of the if not the best corner in the league last year for mm-hmm. sure. Um, but going back into Todd Haley, he's out for the Memphis Showboats head coaching position. He led the Showboats to a five and five record after a four and six season with the Tampa Bay Bandits. So he only acquired nine wins in two seasons. Really just not good, um, and especially for the teams he was given, uh, in a sense. He had a really solid defense both seasons, but just never could put it together on offense, and it kind of just goes back to his stints in the NFL. But, um, you know, I'm again, going back to it, I'm kind of glad that he's out of the league. He's kind Gee, of just that—he's uh, kind of the definition of mediocrity. He's an idiot, bro. And you just don't—
1: <laughs> He's <laughs> you, sometimes like a bumbling idiot sometimes.
0: <laughs> and you just don't need that around. Yeah. But another Memphis showboat addition was uh, defensive end P.J. Hall out of Sam Houston State. I believe this guy was actually a third-round draft pick to the Raiders, so that's a pretty decent signing. Speaking of the defensive side of the ball, that's good that they got an edge rusher. Um, And then more signings were the Michigan Panthers signed defensive tackle De'Anthony Jones out of Houston and wide receiver Garrett Mag out of North Dakota.
1: I haven't heard of De'Anthony Jones.
0: I feel like I have too. I'm not going to lie. But the, the Panthers are another team that have made some genuine um, moves in the offseason that kind of catch your attention. But um, getting back into the defensive end, P.J. Uh, Hall, he was drafted in the second round in the 2018 draft by the Oakland Raiders and is no, longer, uh, is no stranger to alt football, as he also spent time with the Sea Dragons and Brahmas in 2023. So this guy's... Clearly trying to re- revive his career, and maybe he could do that with the Showboats. They have they have a decent defense, bro. They have a big defense. They do. A lot of big guys on that side of the
1: ball. Whoa. Yeah. Big oh yeah.
0: Dudes. Big dudes, bro. Think you like big dudes? <laughs> um. But the uh, Michigan Panthers uh, getting back into wide receiver Garrett Mag out of North. He signed. They signed him out of North Dakota. Um, Garrett signed with the Minnesota Vikings as an undrafted free agent in 2023, and now joins the Panthers during free agency. It's good, you know. He didn't obviously, mm. you know, create waves in you know the practice squad, or not. and now he can kind of create that wave in the USFL and make a name for himself. Yeah. Um, and then I talked about it earlier, but the USFL locked down Ford Field for the Panthers 2024 season, so that's really good uh, for for the Panthers. They had a decent fan base that showed up for them. Um, the Michigan Panthers also signed cornerback Javen White out of UNLV. Um, I think that's University of Las Vegas, I believe. Um, let's see. Um, Adding depth, likely to the linebacking core, the Panthers have signed versatile linebacker/slash cornerback Javon White, out of UNLV. Javon, uh, Javon is Javon or Javon? Excuse me. Was most recently with the Bears in 2022. So that's pretty good. More USFL um, talent that's been coming from like NFL practice squads and. You know, some of those alt teams, like scout team, that's good. You want that in the building. You want that talent. You know, it may not be the best in terms of if you're an NFL fan, but it's good for football in terms Mm -hmm. of the spring, you know, football bracket. Mm -hmm. Because you just want those high-quality players that have been able to play with NFL high-quality talent, been around the NFL coaching, and you want to be able to kind of condense that and put it in this league so you can get some decent quality games and overall good competition. But what do you think, my last question to you, what do you think the the bracket for the playoffs is going to look like if they expand the league by four teams?
1: Uh, it would have to be... Uh, hmm. Two yeah. teams
0: up north, two teams in the south, so six-team divisions, and then...
1: Yeah. You know, the, they would have... Uh, it's, it's, it would still have it be just two teams in the playoffs. Well, they
0: would have to add this. They would. They already have the seeds, but, I mean, first-round bye. they would have to add that in.
1: Oh, yeah, facts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be. Just have it be the two wild
0: That would be crazy though. Like two wild card teams play, and then the number one seed. It's going to be the Stallions in the South next year, as usual. Yeah. They're going to have to battle the Showboats or the fucking Gamblers or something. Like that'll be interesting and it'll drag out the playoffs. Probably more more money for bets. More, you know, overall football. Another week of football. So that'll be exciting to see. In general, but Caden, thanks for hopping on this USFL off-season coverage episode, brother. Thank you, bro. I need some food. (laughs) Get some food, man. We really appreciate everyone for tuning into this episode. This is Trevor signing off. Take care, everyone.